All right. Good morning, church. Awesome. Good to have you here. For those of you joining us online, welcome. Super excited that you're with us. My name is Brian, one of the pastors here on staff, and uh, we're excited to jump into uh, this morning's message to continue our series looking at Abraham. However, uh, before we get started with that, we're going to take a moment to rest. Um, it's spring break, uh, and, uh, and I don't know how your week, month, last six months, uh, et cetera, have been. We've been caring for fire victims. Uh, we've been working on vision and direction for the church. Uh, a lot of you have been raising kids, and um, I'm just going to have Mark play a little bit, and we're just going to sit for a moment. It's our gift to you. So we're going to invite you, if you want, you can just close your eyes, um, you can go to sleep for that matter, and just listen to Mark play, and let's just sit for a moment before we rush into the message, uh, and just allow God to give you rest for a few minutes, and then we'll jump into things. Tell us to be still and know that you are God. Call us to, to stand in awe of your presence. You told Abraham, count the stars in the sky. You told us not to worry about tomorrow. said that you're close to the brokenhearted. And you walked the shores and said, come and follow me. You've restored sight to the blind. 
you've made the lame walk. You've parted seas. You've given promises. Tell us to cast our cares on you. willing to carry our burdens and celebrate our joys. You, our great God and King, is who we approach. And we apologize for the times when we approach with such a rush such a laundry list of things that we want without realizing who we approach. What a gift. That you do, you, you bring light into darkness and you restore. Great are you, Lord. And so as we get ready to approach the scriptures to learn from your servant Abraham and his wife Sarah, may our hearts be pulled towards yours. And would you give us reminders of eternal truth and that we might rest in that. In the strong and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. It's good to sit for a moment. Um, you know, sometimes we, we rush. We, we rush God. We rush our time. Um, sometimes we rush even making promises. Have you ever made a, a promise and not kept it, any of you? Some of you are honest. Very good. Uh, there's probably a few things that are more disheartening uh, than when someone makes a promise to you and then breaks it. Uh, now, let me ask you this. How many of you have ever experienced a promise being broken? Yeah, handful. Uh, we know intuitively when someone makes a promise to us uh, that they're supposed to keep their word. In, in fact, why even make a promise if you're not gonna keep your word, right? Uh, I mean, that might be the question we ask. Some people mean well when they make a promise to us, but they don't always have the character or the integrity or the work ethic to follow through uh, on that promise. Uh, others will make promises super lightly. Uh, we'll, we'll just in, in flippantly make a promise and then, and then move on and not really give it the, the time or thought that it really needs. Um, because then the promise sometimes becomes, becomes inconvenient. <laughs> uh, and then we realize I can't quite follow through with what I promised. And unfortunately, uh, broken promises can often affect our faith, uh, both in the church uh, with the church in general, but also individuals in the church. And then we, we, we place that on God a little bit, and it shakes our faith uh, a bit. Um, but God is absolutely faithful in his promises. In all things, that's what we can hold on to. The Bible says in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, God is not a man, so he does not lie. That's a, that's a pretty good one right there. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. 
You ever prayed and hoped that you could change God's mind? Any of you done that? Like, hey, I know you're doing this, but can I offer a suggestion? And then you think, if I pray and pray and pray, maybe God will change his mind. I can assure you he doesn't change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? And the answer is a resounding what? No. No. Absolutely not. Even when things don't look like he's following through, even even when things don't look like he's following through on his promise, he is and he will and he always has and he always will. And that is something for us to wrap our minds around because rest assured, hear this loud and clear, make no mistake about this, God is the ultimate promise keeper. He always keeps his promises. And he has a perfect record at it. He's never once broken a promise. He's never once followed through with a promise. And that's not just in a general sense of the Bible, of doctrine, of theology, uh, of history, but it's true in your life. And, And that's important for us because sometimes we can show up on a Sunday morning, we can open the scriptures, we can hear biblical truth and go, that's a general sense, but it's true for you. It may not look like it, it may not feel like it, it may not sound like it, and if you turn on the news today, you go, man, it's just like God is in control, really? And it seems like he's not, but he is. And although we may know this and truly believe it in our hearts, sometimes we can have experiences that cause a crisis of faith when it appears that promises aren't being made, or or they're not being kept, rather. And that is when we need to remember that faith believes even without seeing. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. What is faith? Faith is confidence in what our hope is in. And this is the question, where is your hope? Is your hope in your finances? Is your hope in your job? Is your hope in, in closing a deal? What is your hope in? And the assurance about what we do not see. Often what we want to do is we want good assurance on something that we can tangibly grab and hold on to. That's what we want our assurance on. And when things that we can tangibly touch become a little shaky, then our faith gets rocked. And that is why Hebrews gives us this directive. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And that is God. Abraham experienced a similar crisis of faith, if you know his story. What he could see with his eyes did not line up with God's promise. Are you with me? And yet, Abraham chose to believe God's promise, even when he could not see any way possible for it to come to fruition. Now, again, let's make this personal. Think about your life. God has said, I'll take care of you. I will bless you. I will take care of your children. And you're sitting there looking at life and going, uh, fail, 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 and fail. And if we just look at what's happening right now, then we gauge our judgment on God's promises on what we're seeing, what we're experiencing And yet, God is doing things beyond anything that we can see. He's doing things beyond anything about what we can experience or even understand. And he's doing that on a regular basis. Abraham believed God against all odds. 
And God worked through Abraham's faith to bring a blessing to him and to many others. Would you please stand for the reading of this morning's passage? We're going to read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 12. Hear the word of the Lord. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and to go to another land that God would give as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land, God promised him he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah, even Sarah, was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation... An entire nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. There is no way to count them. That is the word of the Lord for us this morning. You may have a seat. We spent the last two weeks looking at this first section, verses eight through 10, and and our emphasis in looking at this particular passage was looking at Abraham's faith in following God's leading, his following. The second section, today and next week, focuses on a different aspect of Abraham's faith because Abraham also demonstrated believing in God's promise. There's following, and then there's believing. And Abraham believed God's promise that God would make him into a great nation. So here's our first point. Faith believes in God's promises against all odds. Nothing is impossible for God. That's what faith does. So when when God calls you to have faith that he is taking care of your kids, that flies in the face of all odds that are stacked against you. When God says, I'm gonna take care of your finances, and you look at the Excel spreadsheet and you go, I got no more money to give to you, Lord. I can't tithe, I, I, can't, I can't budget that way. It doesn't make sense on the Excel spreadsheet. God says, against all odds, I made a promise to you and I'm going to keep it, and I'm asking you to have the faith that I can do and will do such a thing. When God first spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, God promised two specific things. God said, I will make you into a great nation. That's number one. And then God also told him, to your offspring, I will give you this land. So two significant promises. And I wanna ask you, what promise has God made you? Or what promise do you grab hold of in the scriptures? But if you can make it even more personal, that's where God begins to speak to you this morning. And that's my hope and prayer, is that you learn from a general sense, but you also learn from a very personal sense. So dive into that if you would. In Genesis chapter 15, God reaffirmed his promise. God took Abraham outside and told him, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. You ever done that on a, on a camping trip where you just look up at the stars? Any of you ever tried to count stars? 
Like it's amazing if, if you can get in that kind of environment where it just lights up the sky, it's absolutely impossible. And so God says, go ahead, try and count them even if you think you can. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And then in Genesis chapter 15, verse six, it tells us that Abram believed the Lord and God credited it to him as righteousness. Now I wanna ask you, if God comes to you and gives you an absurd promise, is your first response going to be belief? I just want you to think about it for a moment. Or are you gonna weigh things logically? Are, are you gonna weigh that promise based on what we know, this world around us? My time, my gifts, my skills, my family dynamics, my finances, I don't know. Do we allow those filters to influence our ability to believe God's promise for you, for this church? And I think that's important because we often do that. And because of that, we often miss God's leading. We often miss the adventure that's waiting for us because we discount it. We discount it, it's too much work. Or these things are in existence, so there's no way that will ever happen. And we begin to just say no and, and discard things. And yet, God is sitting there going, are you kidding me? I have, I have every uh, resource available at my fingertips. I can move mountains. I can part seas. I can fling stars in the sky. Do you really think I can't follow through on a promise that I made? And although we would not necessarily say to God those things, our hearts say it. And that's good for us to wrestle with. Because I think Abraham and Sarah did the same thing. But they ended with faith. Now, there's one big problem with these promises that God gave Abraham. Abraham didn't have an offspring. Notice the problem there? I'm gonna make you, uh, your, your family is gonna be for generations to come and, and they're gonna, it's gonna multiply more than you can count the stars and yet I got nothing. And yet the response is faith. And I wonder how did Abraham do that? How did he respond in faith when the promise is absurd? It's ridiculous. How could God make him into a great nation if he didn't have any children? How could his offspring inherit the land if they didn't even exist? And like many of you, what Abraham could see did not line up with God's promise. Are you with me? And a lot of times that happens. A lot of times where our life is currently positioned does not line up with God's promise that he's made to us. And therein lies the tension. What do I do with that? Abraham had to exercise faith because of two major obstacles. First obstacle we see is Abraham was past the age. Some of you are past the age. <laughs> you may not even feel like, or you may not be the age that you're past the age, but your body says you are past the age, right? Sometimes when I exercise 
too hard, the next day I go, doggone, I'm way past the age to exercise. But then, like some hours pass and I go, oh, I'm actually, like, I'm actually kind of feeling good. I'm not past the age of exercise. And, and Abraham, even in his age, wasn't past the uh, age of exercise, but he was past the age of childbearing. That was absolutely clear. This season of life to produce children had passed him by, and yet in order for God's promise to be fulfilled, Abraham had to have a son. If this promise of generations to come, not only does he somehow have to have a kid, but he's gotta have a son attached to that. Abraham's already 75 years old. How many of you are older than 75? Yeah. You wanna have children? Ed told me today, like, hey, let's grab coffee this week. And I said, well, it's spring break. I'm gonna spend time with the kids. And he's like, they don't need their dad. And I said, great, we'll just drop them off with you. And he's like, oh, I'm past that. No, no, uh-uh. <laughs> 75 years old when God speaks to him and says, check this out. You're gonna have a boatload of kids. And then they're gonna have kids and they're gonna have kids and you're gonna be a super busy grandpa. What in the world of a promise is that? In Genesis chapter 12, he tells him, 75 years old, pretty old for a man to become a dad. Even for us. But, but even, there was a glimmer of hope, even at 75, maybe I could produce children. In fact, 11 years later, at the age of 86, Abraham would father a son named Ishmael. Remarkable, but still within the realm of possibility. Notice what God does sometimes. He goes, I'm not necessarily gonna give you the impossible, but the odds are stacked against before he gives you the impossible. Why? Because he wants to build your faith. So when God gives you as a family, when God gives you as an individual a promise, often it's, it's obtainable, but it's gonna be a stretch. Why is it a stretch? Because he wants to stretch your faith. And why is it obtainable? Because he knows we're sheep. He knows that, that we're not all quite up there. So he needs to help us along the way. And once we develop that faith, then he throws a bazinga at us. And it's something that absolutely can't happen without God intervening. That's what he does. Genesis chapter 17, verse 16. We read that when God appeared to Abraham again, this time, Abraham is 99 years old. How many of you would like to become a parent at 99? Yeah, that just sounds exhausting. In fact, if someone were to hand me a newborn right now, I would love that newborn. I would, I would, I, I, the hickles are back there. I love babies, yes? I love me a baby, but I love to give them back. Ninety. Nine and Sarah is 89. And God appeared to Abraham and he told him this, I will bless her and indeed I will give you a son by her. Now notice what's happening. This is important. God was kind of ambiguous a little bit with the first promises. Now it's starting to get a little bit more specific because the faith is growing, it's multiplying. I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be the mother of nations. King of peoples will come from her. 
If I were to grab Mark and Alicia, Arnett, and bring them up here and say, you are gonna have several children in the next few years. And in 40 years, you're gonna have more. <laughs> now, Mark's face says it all. <laughs> but that's talking desire. But then the question is, do you believe it? If God were to come to you today and say, you are gonna lead a mission trip in the next few years to Ecuador, to, to Honduras, to Mexico, to Ukraine, you, I've chosen you, you are gonna lead this mission trip. And he was clear as day like that. It's as clear as I just said it. What would be your response? Maybe the old different strokes response, what you talking about, Willis. Some of you know that. Others of you can Google it. But the question would be, ah, I've never even been on a mission trip. And I don't like to lead people. In fact, I don't even like to talk. In fact, I don't even want to come to church. And God says, hey, I know all that. You, I've chosen. You will lead a Bible study. You will be on the worship team. You will help out and lead student ministries. In fact, you are gonna to go to camp and you will have a cabin of, uh, of 10 freshman boys. Please, Lord, no. Send me to Africa. <laughs> but do you believe it? It's such an important question. Because it's pretty easy in our Christianese, in our church attendance, to just come and grab our coffee and sit and sing some songs and, and listen to the scriptures. And yet, when God is clear, we are really good about going, la, 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 la. Not me, Lord. I must have picked up someone else's frequency by the Holy Spirit. That was meant for like Randy, not, not me. And yet God is in the business of giving great, big, audacious promises. And so what do we do with those? So Hebrews 11 tells us that there's a second obstacle. Not only is, is Abraham and, and Sarah older than dirt, Sarah is also barren. The reason why Abraham and Sarah didn't even have children to begin with isn't because they didn't want them. It was because she was barren. Even in the prime of their life, they couldn't have children. For, for some of you, either here or if you're watching us online, you know that feeling. You've tried to have children, and you can't. And you've mourned or you're currently mourning that process. And it's real. And that was Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham's age only compounded that. But the blatant elephant in the living room was the barrenness. It doesn't matter how old or how young we are, I still can't have children. And now Abraham's almost 100 years old. Sarah's almost 99. And the promise seemed completely out of reach. Humanly speaking, it just wasn't possible. 
And I wonder what promise God has given you that, humanly speaking, just isn't possible. What is that promise that he's given that instead of causing you joy and smiles, it causes you tears because reality is not lining up with that promise? And that's real, you guys. That's real. And it's so important for us to rest in it. And that's Abraham and Sarah. And yet Abraham believed God's promise. And God honored Abraham's faith by miraculously enabling Abraham and Sarah to give birth to Isaac, the son of the promise. Faith believes in a God against all odds because nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. Romans chapter four in the New Testament describes Abraham's faith this way. Romans chapter four, verses 18 through 21. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. God has the power to do what he promises. For the church, for his kingdom, for you, for your marriage, for your kids, Satan does not get final say. God gets final say. And he has the power, he has the authority to do what he has promised. Every day, every minute. And when it comes to God's promises, listen, This is hard, but I'm gonna give you this encouragement. Don't look at the odds that are stacked against you. Don't look at those odds, humanly speaking, because odds mean nothing to God. It doesn't matter what those odds are. In fact, there are times, and this is important, God even seems to stack the odds against his promises. In other words, he makes it hard for us He makes it hard for himself. He stacks odds against his promise. And for some of you, he has stacked the odds against the promise he's made to you. And it has caused anguish like that baby. It has literally caused you anguish. And the question thus becomes, well, why does God stack the odds against us? Does he not care? Does does he want us to just be in pain? Does he want us to be in, in confusion? Does he want us to be in anguish? Why stack the odds against your promise? Why not just make it easy? And he does this in order to bring himself the glory that he rightfully deserves. You ever received a promise from God and you go, there is no way this is going to happen unless God intervenes. If not, you're living life way too comfortably, way too calculated, way too process-driven. 
Because when God gives promises that are beyond the realm of possibility, we have an option. Do we take that promise and look to the sky and go, I will choose faith? Or do we look to the heavens and go, no way, come back with another one? God will often stack the odds against his promise so that when he accomplishes it in the church, in his kingdom, in your life, he gets the credit, he gets the honor, he gets the glory. Otherwise, if it's too obtainable, if his promise is something that you and I could, could make adjustments and, and kind of force it to happen, then who gets the glory? We do. And we would never say that. We would never have got one of God's promises happen and go, man, I'm amazing. But our hearts will say it. I did this. I made this decision and, and therefore this happened and man, I'm, I just, I crushed that. Like, I'm amazing. God is always working on our behalf, but we don't always see it. We don't always recognize it. And so often God will stack the odds in such a way that we may see more clearly his hand of deliverance. Why? Because nothing's impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. And there's another reason Abraham was able to exercise such remarkable faith against all odds. He knew that God is always faithful to keep his promises. So not only did he know he had the power, not only did he know he had the authority, but he knew God always keeps his promises. Look at again at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. By faith, Abraham was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. We started out by asking like, hey, one of the worst things that we can experience is when a promise is given and then it's not held up. And yet Abraham looks and goes, man, I know this guy. I know this God. I've walked with this God. I've seen his hand. And he always fulfills his promises. I might have my doubts. I might have my struggles, but that's on me. That's not on God. And sometimes that's one of the most healthy things you can do as a follower of Christ is to approach God in prayer and go, look, this is me. I know you are good. I know you fulfill your promises. I know you are always working the good for those who serve and, and love you. But I got to tell you, I'm struggling with this. This is on me instead of pointing fingers at God. Two different approaches. We would do well to acknowledge what we bring to the table with God and to acknowledge before him, I'm struggling because everything I see happening in life is not lining up with you, but I know that you are good and I know that you never break your promise. The issue is with me. You see the power in that? It not only gives ownership of where it's right, you owning yours and God owning his, but it also keeps you in the right position. You ever hear the phrase, stay in your lane? Know your place? That is so important with God. God doesn't screw up. He's not late. He 
he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't do oops. We do. We do oops. Not God. He never screws up. He never makes a promise and goes, ooh, I've, I've over-promised, and I'm, now I'm gonna under-deliver. Never. But the question then is, what do we do with that in regards to our faith, in regards to believing? And as you go through life, you quickly learn that you can trust some people more than others. You understand that? Someone might tell you, hey, I'll swing by and, and, and help you move. And you're like, they're, they're not even gonna show up. Hey, let me know. You can always, you know, I, I'll, I'll help you out if you ever need anything. And then you call and they're like, no, I'm busy, no, I'm busy, no, I'm busy. And so you're like, whatever. There are people who you trust completely with that when they make a promise to you, when they say, hey, if you need anything, I'll be there for you, you know that when you call up, they're gonna drop everything and they'll be there for you. And we fall in love with those folks because they keep their promise. And then there's people who are completely unreliable that we don't even give them the time or day. We can be friends, but I know if I move, you're not helping I know if I have a major job at home, you might go, oh, I, um, I gotta get my hair done that day. But not God. God's character is one of absolute faithfulness. And he has been so faithful to us as a church. He has been so faithful to you in your walk with him. He is so good. Every one of his promises and it may not make sense in the moment, it may not make sense in the storm of the night, but you know in the heart of hearts that the next morning is coming and the sun will rise because that's his faithfulness. Charles Spurgeon, a preacher in England back in the 1800s, had this great insight. He says this, if God had meant to run back from any promise... He would surely have run back from the promise to give his only begotten son. But having fulfilled that, what promise is there he will ever break? I got two of my sons sitting up here. Man, if God is going to fulfill sending his son to the cross, that promise that had to break his heart more than anything that we could ever dream of. Why in the world would he break a promise to you? He won't. He won't. And he won't break it to his kingdom he won't break it to his church. If he were to go that far, he's not gonna stop now. And I know for some of you in this room, God has promised you and you have laid awake at night wondering, man, is God really good? Is he really gonna follow through with what he promised? 
And I just want to shout to you, yes. Yes, he is. This idea from Spurgeon, we, we see a similar thought in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Since he did not even spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be given to you. If God kept the most difficult promise he had ever made, will he not keep all of his promises? And God will always keep his promises because of his character. His character is spotless. It's flawless. Faith believes in God against all odds because nothing is impossible for God. And God is always, always faithful to keep his promises. When you put your faith in God's promises, not, will, not only will he bring a blessing to you, God will also bring great blessings to others through you. God had told Abraham, Genesis 15, 5, look up to the heavens, count those stars, if indeed you can count them, so shall your offspring be. And God fulfilled that promise. We read in Hebrews eleven twelve again, and so from this one man, what can God do through one person who chooses faith? Through this one man, and he was as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. The, the word translated numerous here means a great number, a multitude. We lose so much sometimes in the English language. The multitude. Your version also might say countless. In the original language, I know I like this, my boys might like this, it means no math. <laughs> no math. How many of you were glad when you finally finished math classes in high school and college, you're like, whoo, my last one. How many of you love math? Yeah, weirdos. <laughs> Countless, no math. If you want to really understand that, if you want to understand God's promises, then go to Florida and start counting granules of sand. Good luck with that. It's not possible. God promised Abraham countless descendants. There was no math to be able to count that. God fulfilled that promise first through the birth of Isaac and then through Jacob and the nation of Israel. And then God fulfilled that promise ultimately through the coming of Jesus as our Messiah. And God continues to fulfill that promise through you and through me every day of every week, of every month, of every year. 
the vast array of stars, they, they served as a reminder to Abraham of God's promise. And I picture at times Abraham, I don't know what they laid on, maybe a mat. Scripture says at times they used a rock to lay their head. And, and can you imagine Abraham just looking up at the stars and just having a moment and Sarah walking up going, hey, what are you looking at? I'm just looking at the stars. Why? Just marveling in God's promise. Isn't it cool? He did it. And you picture Sarah maybe laying down next to him and going, he is so good. All those years of being barren, all those times of wondering how. And he did it. That is so cool. And then maybe even falling asleep, looking at the stars. When was the last time you, you laid and, and just marveled at God's promises and his deep love for you? He cares so much for you that you can't even wrap your mind around it. Marvel. Marvel at the awesomeness of God. Marvel at his promises. And then marvel at your own faith before a God who loves you. And in that, your faith will grow and grow and grow and then be ready for the next promise because it's coming. Let's pray together as the team comes up. Father, your, your promises are, are beyond anything that, that we can wrap our mind around. Uh, the faith and the belief of Abraham um, the things you called him to and his, his beautiful bride Sarah by his side, those promises. And it wasn't just the, the faith and the promises and the obedience of Abraham and Sarah, we too carry that on as we read the Holy Scriptures and rest in the truth of the cross. It strengthens our faith it allows us to step out of the boat onto the water. It allows us to say, yes, Lord, send me. It allows us to trust you when the odds are stacked against us. So thank you for Abraham and Sarah and the countless others that we, we stand on the foundation of their faith. And thank you for the faithfulness in our lives and thank you for the faithfulness to this church. And we continue to walk by faith the next step in front of us. And we trust you because you're worthy to be trusted. In the name of Jesus.